This is the Horse Radio Network. Episode 3 of the Stable Scoop Radio Show, Bourbon, Fox Hunting, and Equestrianism. Welcome to the Stable Scoop, with weekly shows delivered right to you. With Helena and Glenn the Geek, live from the stable, it's every week. They'll bring you the news through hail or hot water while using their tails as their own fly swatters. So sit on down and laugh till your poop, cause it's time again for Stable School. Stable School. Stable School. I am Glenn the Geek. And I am Helena V. And this is the Stable Scoop Radio Show on the Horse Radio Network. Coming up on today's show, we've got some horse news, Stable Scoop style, of course. We have two great guests. The first is under our Stable of the Week segment, and that is Susanna Thomas of the Maker's Mark Secretariat Center in Lexington, Kentucky. Right up the street from me. Right up the street from you, yes, in the most beautiful part of the country. And then we have the blog of the week, which is called Equestrianism, and that is posted by a woman named Kristen Kenny, and we're going to talk to her about her blog. Plus, we have voicemails and emails from our listeners and whatever else Glenn and I come up with today. You never know, as they learned in last week's episode. That's right. <laughs> so why don't you take us into the news? We'll get right into it today. Okay. This is an interesting bit of news from my home state of Massachusetts. We have a horse and victim share the blame for a serious bite. Uh, There is a mare in our part of the country here who's described as an alpha mare who's rather aggressive. In fact, she once tried to bite her veterinarian as he was giving her some injections. Uh, But this week, Salem District Court decided that none of the mare's inherent behaviors made her dangerous. What happened was um, there was a woman who boarded her horse where this mare was also boarded and was quite aware that the horse was aggressive and that she was an alpha mare and that she did bite. Well, back in 2004, the mare got a good chunk out of this woman's arm Oops. and the woman filed suit. She alleged that the mare's owners were negligent and that they were responsible for her medical bills because she did have um, the horse broke skin. And she had scarring, nerve damage, and, of course, she sued for pain and suffering as well. Did she claim that she taught the mare how to bite or what? <laughs> no. What, I, well, she's saying that basically the owners were negligent and that I, I don't know what she thinks that they could have done differently. Um, but what happened was the people who owned the horse went away on vacation, and this woman actually offered to take care of the horses while they were away. Now, she had boarded with these people for quite some time. So she and was she babysitting knew... the horses when this happened? What's that? She was babysitting the horses when this happened? She was babysitting the horses. And she boarded with them for a couple of years, so she knew the mare's behaviors. And uh, she was actually leading another mare past this aggressive one. And there was one fence line between them. Now, I know sometimes people put two fence lines between aggressive horses. Well, there was one. And the aggressive mare reached out. And my guess is that she was probably lunging after the other horse and that this woman's arm got in the way. 
and uh, a horse took and a nice you know big what? chunk. That, that hurts every time. Oh, it, it is painful. Yeah. And, you know, witnesses said that it looked like the woman's uh, arm was mauled. Mm. So we're not begrudging her that. But um, so she sued. And um, interestingly, the courts found that, yes, the horse's owners were partly at fault, but that the woman who was bit, the victim, was also at fault. And so they split it down the middle. Well, not down the middle. They split it 60-40. So 60% was the fault of the horse owners, and 40% was the fault of the victim, saying that because she knew this horse was already aggressive, that she was partly responsible for putting herself in harm's way. Didn't that, I mean, that, I'm not sure about the precedent that sets. Uh, I, think, I think that might have been the court taking the easy way out, too. Well, I don't know. You see, in Massachusetts, um, there's an equine statute that protects horse professionals. Yeah, isn't there like a no-fault law? Well, yeah, basically it says that anytime you work with or around horses, you are accepting the responsibility of the inherent risks of working with these animals. But that's not what the court decided here. Well, they're saying that, yes, that that statute does come into play, that this woman knew that there were risks involved, not only with horses, because – Sorry, but if they have teeth, if they have hooves, they kick and they bite. You always have to be aware of that. Yeah, but they're still saying that the the owner was at fault for part of it. Well, I, like I said, what else could she have done besides, you know, keep the mare properly contained, which she was. She was in a fenced paddock. Right, right. And, you know, if you know a horse bites and you're going to walk that close to the fence line where you have an aggressive horse, you're partly responsible for whatever happens to you. Right. Well, see, and I'm I'm going the other way. I think I'm going that that this that this woman shouldn't get a dime. That she knew the risk of being around horses. That she shouldn't get anything. Oh, yeah. Okay. See, I that's think that's good. where it sets a bad precedent. Is that the judge is saying that you do have a responsibility as a horse owner not to have an aggressive horse. Well, you can have an aggressive horse, but you have to properly contain it. I think that's the key. But then, this one, then there's the extremity, the, the circumstance, I can't say that word, the circumstance that this lady is taking care of the farm knowing darn well that horse is there. Yeah. She's going to have to deal with the horse. Right. <laughs> I don't know. I, I'm not sure I agree with the judge on this one. Well, it's kind of a unique case because, like, for example, if somebody's bitten by a dog, the owner is almost always held liable unless right. they can prove that the dog was being teased or abused or that the victim of the bite was trespassing or otherwise breaking the law. But when it comes to horses, it's just it's a completely different ballgame. If you, if you choose to work around these animals, then you accept the inherent risks right. of, and, and actually, of their unpredictable behavior, basically. And we fought long and hard in many states to get that law into place in the first place. Right. Yeah, I'm not, I'm, I'm not sure what would happen if, if this was appealed. I'm not sure there's enough money in it to go to appeal. And I'd be interested to hear what our, uh, what our listeners have to say about it. They can drop us an email or drop us a voicemail about it. I, I would be interested to hear what they have to say. Yeah, that would be good. All right, uh, we go from that story about a woman being bit to drugging at the Olympics. Of course, one of the big things last week, we had our, most of our show about the Olympics, and it, it was all about the, the fun and the good stuff. And we did have one story come out of the Olympics about four riders being suspended, show-jumping riders from Ireland, Germany, Brazil, and Norway. The interesting thing about this is they were suspended for something that has been used as a topical treatment for some time and i think now they're just starting to figure out how to test for it and that they actually are testing for it uh it's a substance called capsaicin which is really comes from hot chili peppers yeah uh it's if you took a chili pepper and you broke it open and you took the seeded part and you rubbed it on your arm 
you would feel what caps- capsaicin feels like. And in this particular case, one of the writers, the Irish writer, Dennis uh, Lynch, had used a, uh, something called Equiblock, which everybody, I guarantee you, in my neck of the woods down here in Lexington, where there's a lot of racehorses, has heard of because they all use it. It's a, it's a topical pain reliever. Uh, right, so they put it on it like a liniment, or it's it's afterwards. Right, and it's, it's used after the exercise that they use it, and it's right on the spot. Okay, uh, it's very very targeted, um, and it does make your your leg hot. Okay, uh, or if you you put it on your arm, it would feel numb. It would almost numb it, and that's what makes it a a pain, uh, in use for pain. Now it is. Wait a minute. Do they, they do use it? Um, I may be wrong here. Do they use it on racehorses yes. after the fact, or they do it? Can you use it while a horse is performing? Um, you're not. You're not. It, it's on the illegal list of substances. Oh, okay. Uh, but is it is it legal to use after the fact? Uh, the, not really. You're not supposed to use it. It's on the illegal list of substances. They do use it, and as I understand it, if you're off of it for about two weeks, it won't test. Okay. Um, so that's the way I understand it. I may not be exactly right on that, but that's what I understand. It is on the FEI list of banned substances, so everybody went into the Olympics knowing that. And it was interesting on the Chronicle forums, there was an interesting thread on this whole thing where they were going back and forth, a lot of varied opinions on this. And I think in court I could argue both sides yeah. uh, because it has been used. It, it's, it's really found in, a, in many uh, liniments and things. So, you know, in various, in various quantities. And, um, so I could argue both sides of this one. It's interesting when you read the Chronicle forums how, how people take it. And then, and then the, uh, the whole subject of, of the uh, walking horses and, and the saddlebred showing came in and what they do to their horses, which I don't think should have even been part of this thread. But right. uh, it was interesting to hear. They, my, my comment on... On the side of the Olympics here is they know darn well going into these shows what's allowed and what's not allowed. Okay. So you would your grooms would know you make sure you know what's allowed and what's not allowed, and what, that Equiblock has some has capsaicin and it's not allowed. Right. You know you would know that going in. So I don't know. I think part of it is it, it it's been testable for about two years now, and it hasn't been showing up, or they just haven't been testing that right uh so they did test actually 60 horses total 20 from each sport and they found four so i don't think that's too bad at all well uh, it's four too many I mean, well it's... yeah and i'm sure that the four that were uh were were sent home uh were not happy about it either but uh, this argument will continue there's a lot to be said on the side too that it's it's a product that should be allowed so, I mean, there's arguments on both sides of this one. I don't know that we're going to come to a conclusion. I just did want to bring it up. Interesting. Uh, All right. Well, speaking of drugging, um, there's actually a new way, and there's a German researcher named Patricia Anielski, if I'm saying that right, who's who thinks she's discovered a new way to test for anabolic steroids. Um, she's going to be uh, – well, actually, steroids such as testosterone propionate can be detected in hair samples. Now, most of us are aware, or anybody who's owned horses or tried to take blood from one, it knows that there's some logistical issues surrounding the collection of either their urine or their blood. It's, you know, you don't want to get kicked, but you need a little pee in your bucket. Um, So getting hair material is quick and easy. There's no, um, you don't have to worry about storage or transporting it. Um, It sticks around for a long time. 
And this researcher has had some really good luck with uh, confirming the presence of anabolic steroids from using these hair samples. So the results of her study suggest that the hair analysis could be a very um, viable option for testing for steroids in the future, um, in fact, for a six-month period. So there's still some testing, there's still some research that she has to do, but what I thought was exciting about this is if testing for steroids is that easy, perhaps it would serve as a deterrent from using them. Because, you know, testing is, like you said, it's not the easiest thing to do. And if you've got, like, all these horses in the Olympics that have banned substances, if you know that it's really easy to pluck a hair from your horse and test for... Um, a banned substance, I'm, I might think twice before I go ahead and use that banned substance. What do you right. think? And, you know, they have been using uh, hair to test for drugs, obviously, uh, with people for for quite a while. So uh, they, they do use hair for that as well. Um, matter of fact, they use hair samples to test, like, firemen. And I know that Boston, actually, where, where you live, they had a big scandal uh, about a year ago with a bunch of firemen being tested positive for drugs, and they were trying to claim that the hair test was not reliable. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, so that was one of their arguments is the hair test itself was not reliable because if you were around marijuana or would soak in through the hair, you know, they were trying to argue all those different things. Right. I don't know how that applies to steroids, but I'm sure that's why they went that direction and started to to pursue it. It would sure make it easier and a lot less hassle, that's for sure. It, exactly, and that, if anything, the fact that it might be, it, it's that easy to do the testing if it would serve as a deterrent all the better. All right. Well, um, we'll keep an eye on that and see uh, see how that goes and see when, you know, how long it takes for that to actually come into play. Yeah. And that was thanks to, uh, this was actually a great article in the Horse Health Newsletter, which um, I get electronically every other week or so. Okay, so cool. good stuff. All right. And then now and you're a fox hunter up there in Massachusetts. And everybody, I think, is aware that uh, England's been having its share of issues with with uh, PETA and fox hunting and trying to outlaw it and, and it causing great controversy among many people in England, including horse owners. Well, the Irish, I, had, I read this article the other day, and I don't know if it's funny or not, but I just thought it was interesting that they're fighting back. The Irish uh, field sport groups, they call them, which are the fox hunters, uh, launched a counterattack on the animal rights extremists who they claim seek to ban all hunting and disrupt business in, in Ireland. So the Hunting Association of Ireland held two seminars, one entitled Animal Rights Terrorism, Understanding the Enemy, and the second, Vegan and Animal Rights Extremists, Their Political Ideology, Consumer Intimidation. So they held these, they held these seminars. So it looks like, at least in Ireland, that the fox hunters are getting a little rowdy and they're deciding to uh, try and fight back. Um, so the, but another interesting thing is that it was an American that was the keynote speaker. Oh, he's um, from the Masters of Foxhounds Association? Yes, uh, okay. was the keynote speaker there, So, and who's apparently one of the leading experts on the animal rights movement. So fox hunting, you know, still is an issue. It's, it's a, I think it's a bigger contested issue in England and, and uh, Ireland uh, than it is in the United States. Uh, we still have 152 fox hunts left in the United States, which I was surprised at that number. I didn't think there were that many. Yeah, that's and those are just the listed ones. There are probably more that are not part of the Masters of Foxhounds Association. Uh, some private packs and um, quiet, some new packs that are getting started. So I, I'm going to say that's probably even more than 152. You know, and it's interesting. You live in a part of where well, you ride with the myopia hunt. 
Yes. And yeah. uh, we were up there one Thanksgiving. My wife actually rode with you. Uh, in uh, At Thanksgiving Day, they have a big <laughs> hunt that is unbelievable. There will be thousands of people will come out and line the roads watching this hunt go by. Yes, it is an event. It is wonderful. It is beautiful. It is. It, it brings tears to my eyes. It, it's such a feeling of joy. And you know what? All the horses um, that go out on our hunt, the hounds, people, everybody enjoys themselves. They have such a great time. What's different about myopia is that we're a drag hunt, so we don't actually hunt live quarry. Uh, our hounds are trained to follow a scent. Probably if they saw a fox, they wouldn't know what it was anyway. <laughs> so, um, so, but you know what? In Massachusetts, we don't have a lot of open space to have live hunts. There are some live hunts here, um, but because we just don't have the contiguous open space to follow an actual live animal. Right. Um, it just, it's not feasible. And there, the other thing, too, is not a lot of people around here are interested in chasing a live animal. You, you know, we're a little bit more liberal than the rest of the country. And I, I'm not going to say we're a bunch of animal rights activists, but I think the term fox chasing is probably more politically correct in the United States. Right. Um, now, and and to, to, I always wonder, to lay down the scent, does he just go out there with, like, a four-wheeler? <laughs> yeah, a four-wheeler. and Well, um, you know, it's interesting because we have a, a new kennelman, and actually they're – well, he comes from South Carolina, and the, the kennelman was telling us one day about a dragsman, and a dragsman is specially trained or an expert in laying the scent, and there is a whole – it's like this whole subculture of laying a scent. Um, some of it's done by horseback. Some of it we do by ATV. Um, but what we use up here is uh, anisette, and I believe we still cut it with kerosene to help uh, the scent go a little bit further. It kind of extends its life. Huh. Um, but, uh, you know, prior to meeting our new cattleman, who um, he comes from the coastal area of South Carolina and a long um, family tradition of fox hunting. Um, his, his father is um, an MFH, I think. His brother is... Now, what's an uh, MFH? MFH is Master of Foxhounds. Okay. Drag hunting, live hunting. I don't know. That's another topic for discussion. <laughs> yeah. Well, we'll have to do – we could do a whole show on that. I know. I know. It's, it's hard to, like, give a little, um, you know, I might even have hunting. pictures from that Thanksgiving hunt. I'm going to have to take a look, and we'll post them up there. It's so uh, much fun. On the show it, notes. It really is. You know, some people ride to hunt, and some people hunt to ride. I'm definitely one of those people who hunts to ride. To ride. Yeah, just because you get to go fast and jump big jumps. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> All right. I think, uh, Helena, we're going to have to wrap up the news because I think we have our our first guest ready to come on, our blog of the week. And the blog is uh, – the name of the blog is Equestrianism. And we'll put the link uh, for the blog in the show notes. And her name is Kristen – I'm not sure whether you say Kenny or Keeney. So we'll find out here as we say hi to Kristen. Welcome, Kristen, to the Stable Scoop Radio Show. We're glad to have you on today. Thank you for having me. So your blog is Equestrianism, and I have to open this up with, tell us what equestrianism is exactly. Well, by definition, equestrianism basically describes the art of horsemanship. And when I write my blog, I try to cover mainstream issues and current events, like I did a couple blogs on the Olympics. But I also try to bring my own perspective into it and basically just try to 
find how equestrianism, how this art kind of permeates throughout all the all the events we do, all the care we do with our horses, just everyday stuff. So you're looking at, at uh, horsemanship as an art form? Yes. That's, very, that's an interesting perspective. I like that. So why would you start the blog in the first place? What motivated you? Well, I always liked to write. Like when I was little, I would write stories, just kind of random stories about stuff. And then I decided to get more into the journalism area of writing. I actually write for my school paper. I write for a couple of um, equestrian magazines in my area. And I've always, I kind of got into blogging. I liked reading blogs, and then I decided to start my own. And at first I was on, I was using a different blog service, and it was just kind of like a regular blog. And then I switched my website around, and I kind of wanted to make it a little more personal and a little different. So that's the blog I have today. i got to tell you, it's very professional looking. Did you do your header and everything? I did. Actually, I'm very interested in design as well, so I like to mess around with stuff on Photoshop. Well, you did a great job with this whole thing. What's it looks it's very attractive. Yes, girl <laughs> after my own heart. Good job. Now, and I you know, as a matter of disclosure here, I, we I have to say that uh Helena and I were a little shocked when we found out that you're still a senior in high school because your writing it seems so much older than that and so much wiser than that. Thank you. Yeah, I like to you know, I just like to sound professional. I like to write with a more personal aspect every once in a while, but I really like to kind of write professionally because I do want to be a professional writer when I grow up, so having the blog is really a way for me to practice that. Is it something that comes naturally to you, or do you find you have to encourage the uh, creative writing part um, at times? You know, in school I do struggle with writing essays because it's just not something I want to write about. And even when I get an assignment for an article for an equestrian magazine, sometimes I really have a problem. But I find that sometimes I'll just have an idea and I can sit down and just write and it just comes out, you know. It just keeps coming and coming. Really well, yeah. yeah. And, and I'll tell really you, you do, you do something different, too, on your blog that I, I find interesting and that I haven't seen on all the blogs we've looked at. And that is you, you, you highlight uh, poetry and writing and all about horses yes i actually have this little black notebook that i only got maybe six months ago and i got it because i found that when i was writing i'd find these sentences and not all pertaining to horses sometimes just in books i had to read for school these phrases and sentences that i found just really stuck with me you know for one reason or another and so i just started writing them down and um when i switched over to my new website i could add new pages and so I just started adding those little quotes and snippets about horses. I just have to ask you or I have to point out to everybody too we didn't do this last week and we do want to do it because there's a lot of people out there like you that that want to start a blog and have no idea how and obviously you went through some trials and tribulations here getting going. You're now using WordPress right? Yes. Okay, and WordPress is a uh, for for anybody that doesn't know is a blogging software, and it you can do some pretty elaborate stuff on WordPress, and and your your blog is proof of that. Yeah, you can add new like the thing I liked about it most is that you can add pages, so it's more like a real website. It's not like other programs where you just blog and it's just posts down your page. You can actually, like I said, add other pages, and that's what I did with the. Um, equestrian literature and photos 
and I found that a lot more conducive to what I wanted to do with it. But blogging is really easy. I mean, there's so many programs out there, and if you just want to have, like, a training journal or something, it's so easy just to sign up for one of those programs. Most of them are free, and you just blog, and it's pretty simple. Okay, my favorite part of this blog, and I'm going to call it the Eclit section, is where you have um, – snippets from these literary figures, uh, some of its poetry, some of its excerpts from essays, um, but you've got Olmsted on there, Thomas Steinbeck. These are just all wonderful snippets of uh, basically equestrianism in literature. And I think if, even if you're not a big literature fan, these are very inspiring, beautiful representations of horsemanship, uh, artistic horsemanship. So I think this is a good representation of what you're trying to achieve with this blog. So I want to give the web address, which is equestrianism.wordpress.com. And uh, if you click on the right-hand menu, there's Eclit, which is the category name, and then uh, Mm -hmm. enjoy. So that's a really good job with that. Thank you. Yeah, I really like that section because it's kind of everything that I can't say. You know, all the things, these things that have just struck me again, I just think they're beautiful. And not everyone, I don't know if everyone will understand it. You don't need to. It's just so beautiful. You don't even need to be a fan of literature. It just it's like listening to music, but but they're words instead of sound. Okay, now we have to know before we run out of time here, tell us a little bit about your horse. My horse is Harley. He's a nine year old Dutch born blood and we do jumpers. And he is a bit of a challenge. (laughs) He's he's an awesome horse and I love him to death, but he does have an attitude and he does like to make me work for every ounce of riding, but he taught me. Doesn't that make I know, him? A, doesn't that make him a Dutch warm blood? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so you're a jumper. Yes, I am. Yep, yep. And uh, do, do you compete actively? Um, I do. I haven't shown in a while. Actually, he actually just got back from a show down here. I was away on vacation, so I couldn't go. But he just did a show, and he was pretty successful, and I'm proud of him. He's a good boy. <laughs> well, good. And when did you start riding? How old were you? I started riding when I was 13. And are you coming from a riding family, or is it just you? Um, not really. I actually had to kind of fight to be able to ride. Did you? <laughs> Isn't that a story we hear all the time? So you're a success yeah. story. Yeah. <laughs> So, okay, well, we encourage everybody to stop over. Actually, your latest blog entry that I'm noticing here and I I read this morning, really, it's called Communication, and it's about Mm -hmm. uh, animal psychics. Yeah, and that's that's a little kind of away from what I'm trying to do with my blog, but it was just this experience I had, and I just had to write about it. I had to get it out, you know, whether it's true or not or whatever. I just had to. Right, and you say really that in there. You sort of let it open and go, you can believe in this or not believe in it. It's up to you. Yeah, but here's my exactly. story. So it yeah. was interesting. I, th- I encourage everybody to go there and read it. Uh, it was an interesting story. And I'm not sure. I'm like you. I'm down the middle. I don't know. Yeah. You know? Yeah. <laughs> uh, we want to believe. We want to believe. I, yeah. So the more experiences it. like this that you you recount, you know, that's I guess that's what makes faith. Have faith in your mm-hmm. horse. Have faith in the the idea that, that there's something bigger than just a human body sitting on top of an equine body. On the other exactly. side of that, uh, you know, I probably could come out and tell any teenage girl that their horse, the answer that you had in the blog, and people have to read it, but that, uh, you know, as, as the psychic, I could come out and say that your horse loves you very much, 
and mm-hmm. I'm going to win your heart every time. Yeah, That's exactly. true. So, <laughs> I mean, there's, there is some side of that, too, if I'm taking the other side of the coin. Oh, we're yeah. all a bunch of suckers. I mean, come yeah. on. Come on. But we don't care. That's and I'm sure Harley does life. love you very much when you're not working him too hard. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> exactly. All right, Kristen, thank you very much for being on the show. You'll be our blog of the week, and we're going to post that on our blog of the week section. Um, so, right. if, you know, uh, we appreciate you being on, and we hope everybody stops by and checks out, checks out your blog. Great job. Thank you. Thank you very much for having me. It was a pleasure talking with you. All right, Helena, next thing we need to do is thank our sponsor, EZSignsOnline.com. Uh, and that's spelled, that, that's actually the letters EZ and then SignsOnline.com. And uh, they ha- we have an ad on our show notes for them. They are they make farm signs and business signs and basically signs of all kinds. They have one of the coolest websites. You just put in all your information, and they actually custom design your sign. They have an artist that does your sign. They send you back the proof, and then you get to approve it, or they change it, whatever you want to do. You can pick your sizes for anything from a little sign to tack onto your tack room door to the great big sign that's at the end of your driveway in brick pillars. Cool. So they, they do all kinds of stuff. I know up where you live, they tend to go for smaller signs. They don't go for real big, obnoxious signs. <laughs> yeah. But certain parts of the country, you know, ranches and things like that, and down here some of the farms have bigger signs. that. And they also do church signs and business signs of all kinds. He does a lot of work with lawyers' offices and de- developments, you know, like the big sign at the end of a development. And you can do it all online? Yeah, you tell them what you want online, and you pick out your colors and your sizes and your shapes and all that. And <sighs> then they do, you can do your own custom logos, and then they do the design itself, and then they let you know what that's going to look like, and you approve it. And then they build your sign, and all this happens within, I think it, right now he told me that it's running three to five days. So within 48 hours, you'll get your proof back, and then the sign's made within another 48 hours and shipped. Oh, my gosh. See, this is perfect for, like, type A instant gratification me. I don't, don't, don't make me get out of my chair. Right. <laughs> don't make me right. go look at any, talk no, to anybody. Just click, 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 and three days later, it's way. there. And you can contact them by calling 1-800-640-8180, or you can just check them out online at ezsignsonline.com. And right now they're having a 10% off sale on selected styles of signs. So stop by, get your 10% off, and get that. Your sign probably looks crappy by now. You had it painted 15 years ago. The paint's falling off, um, and you need a new one. So stop by Easy Signs Online and, and replace that sign. And we're very excited right now to have another guest uh, from the Secretariat Center. She's our st- – our st- uh, I can't even say it. <laughs> Our star? She's our stable spotlight for the week. Um, (laughs) Well, you know, there's a lot of S's in there. I know. It's just too many stable, too many S's. I really am having trouble here. And you came up with that one, so that's your own fault. And you know what? She's from the Maker's Mark Secretariat Center. And doesn't it sound like I've been drinking bourbon? Yes, it does. (laughs) I really haven't. All right. Let's get uh, Let's talk to Suzanne. Hi, Suzanne. It's good to have you on the show. Hi, Glenn. Thank you so much for inviting me. Well, Good morning, you. Susanna. Hi. How are you? I'm doing very well, thank you. Thank you very much for inviting me. Well, it's good to have you on. I'll tell you what, I live in Lexington, as you know, and we're close to you, and we thought for the first stable spotlight it would be great to have a location like yours, which is right out there at the Kentucky Horse Park, 
in one of the most beautiful spots in the state of Kentucky. So it's nice to have you on. Now, I have a first question. Is It's called the Maker's Mark Secretariat Center, correct? Yes, that's it. I didn't find any alcohol at all when I was out there the other day. Oh, well, you didn't look under my desk. <laughs> <laughs> no, I didn't. That's true. <laughs> so I assume Maker's Mark is some kind of sponsor for it. It, it is. Maker's Mark um, is, as you know, one of um, Kentucky's premier bourbons, and uh, they very generously gave a large sum of money in order to build this 22-acre um, jewel of a facility, along with a number of other donors about four years ago. Um, and we are dedicated to taking in ex-thoroughbred racehorses, reschooling them, and matching them up with their ideal new owners and putting them up for adoption. And we're also open to the public at the Kentucky Horse Park so people can come and learn about thoroughbreds and touch thoroughbreds and um, learn about what retraining issues they might need to know before they can go on to a happy new second career. You know, I think one of the sad things is because you guys are sort of in the back of the park, behind where the where the shows take place, a lot of people don't even know you're there. It's true. We're, we're right across from the dump. That's yes. our claim to fame. It's <laughs> true, they are. <laughs> <laughs> but let's, let's clarify, they have a beautiful facility right across from the dump. Well, uh, we have now opened our facility to the public, so our, our training hours are open. Um, people can come anytime from 8.30 to noon, see what we're doing. We have horses in all different stages of retraining. Um, and by retraining, I mean when they come off the racetrack, they really know how to just go in one direction and go fast. And we need to reschool them and teach them to settle down and learn how to turn and stop and whoa and jump and do some dressage and trail ride and so all of our horses are at different phases and then every Saturday now we we go down in our big old horse band that's of a sea biscuit era and we gather up whomever is interested who's touring the horse park and we invite them to come up and um, help us groom and help us interact with these horses and learn about um, what it's like to to handle an x-ray horse. Where do most of the horses come from that when they arrive at your center? Are they mostly local, or did they come from different parts of the country? Well, when we were founded four years ago by a group of concerned owners, breeders, and people in the thoroughbred industry locally, they wanted this place to be a showcase for the elite thoroughbred athlete. Um, and they wanted us to use the location at the Kentucky Horse Park, which gets over a million visitors a year, to show off this wonderful breed of horse as um, as an ideal sport horse who could go on to a second career, and so in order to do that, um, what we do is we make our we open our doors to all kinds of different rescue agencies, owners, breeders, um, concerned citizens who may have purchased a racetrack off a horse off the racetrack. Um, we we are we are run by the Thoroughbred Retirement Foundation which is the oldest um, adoption and rescue agency in the United States. It's 25 years old. But um, at any given time, we have a small, only a small percentage of PRF horses. The rest of our horses come from all these different venues. And we like to think of ourselves as the Ivy League of the adoption agencies because we ask everybody to send us their very, very best because they get so much um, visitation here. So we really feel like we can educate people about 
the x-ray source and we can also get them adopted out much more quickly because we have so many people coming through our gate. Mm. And what makes you, I think, a little bit different is unlike other adoption, quote-unquote, uh, quote adoption places, is you actually, you actually train these horses. Yes, we do. We, we have a, a small facility. It's only a 10-stall facility. Um, we have 22 acres, um, probably 17 of which is in paddocks. And we put our horses through, ideally, a 90-day retraining program. So when they come in, and they've been let down somewhere else. By let down, I mean they've been turned out and um, detoxed a little from their racetrack. Yeah, the experience. drugs are all worn off. Right, yeah. all worn off, off of them, and they've put, we've, you know, they've been fattened up somewhere and kind of learned to be a horse for about six months. And they come to us, and we evaluate them first with natural horsemanship to see kind of what kind of personality they have. And then we move to very classical horsemanship, such as they do at the Spanish Riding School. We do um, lunging and lunging inside reins and long lining and make sure that they have a very soft mouth because a lot of these horses, when you pull on the reins, that means go faster because yes. that's, that's how they get leverage. And so we, have, we put a very soft mouth on them, and then we'll get on their backs, and a lot of times I'll ride them in a side pull so they have no bit. So they're just learning what the seat is all about. And then we'll combine that with hunt seat and dressage and trail riding um, mixed up intermittently because thoroughbreds are so sensitive that, um, you know, to drill anything into them, the same thing day after day after day, they get very tense and bored. So, you know, one day we'll take them out for an hour-long trail walk throughout the Kentucky Horse Park. And the next day we might long line them. And the next day we might jump a small um, course in Cavaletti. And the next day we might work on um, some lateral work in the arena. So in 90 days, they have a pretty good basic foundation so that if you come to get this horse, um, he'll be ready to go on and to the discipline of your dreams. And we also try to figure out what the horse wants to be when he grows up. So if the horse shows a real uh, propensity for dressage, if you come looking for a hunt horse, we'll, we, might, we would steer you towards another individual. And say, well, this horse really wants to be a dressage horse when he grows up. So um, this this one seems to be want to be a field hunter, and this one seems to want to event, and that, this one seems good for reining. And to the best of our ability, we try to ascertain what you know what the horses really enjoy doing. It sounds like a very comprehensive, well balanced approach to finding new homes for these guys. My guess is that you have um, in your job as the equine director at the center that the retraining is just a small part of your efforts to find new homes and new careers for these guys. What else takes up besides the actual hands-on work? What else takes up a lot of your time in your role there? Putting up with my wife who volunteers there. (laughs) Well, I'm guessing, you know, PR and, you know, helping raise that, the, um, get out from under the dumpster, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Well, um, we are, we are typical of a not-for-profit. I mean, we, we run this on all donations and, uh, you know, on a shoestring, although it would be more appropriate to say on a piece of bailing twine. Um, and we rely very heavily on volunteers, so we're always glad to have volunteers here. Um, yes, if we try to get the horses done. Um, we, we get the horses done by noon or 1230, and then in the afternoon um, there's certain things that happen in the barn, maybe veterinary care or the farrier or baths or whatever certain horses need. And I personally come into the office and really focus on outreach efforts. 
which can include anything from writing press releases to um, fundraising letters. Right now, I'm working on um, a documentary film, fundraising for that, which Ashley Judd has very nicely agreed to narrate. It's going to be on the center. And um, I also have a book proposal on, on our 90-day horse training um, philosophy that I'm putting together. And there's the... Wow, that's cool. So the documentary, what do you hope to do with it? I hope to actually raise um, two things. It basically is to educate people as to um, what happens to x-ray horses. And we have so many x-ray horses coming off the tracks and nowhere to put them. And perhaps to educate them and say, look, you know, in 90 days, maybe sometimes a little bit more, obviously it depends on the physiological and psychological condition of the horse, but you, know, you can teach a horse the ABCs of what it needs to know to go out and be a safe um, friend for a new kind of career. And so we would like to educate the public about the plight of the X-Race horse, educate the public about, um, you know, basic, fundamental, really classical training tenets and precepts. And um, we'd like to use it as a fundraising tool because we, our horses have no running sheds and we want a bigger, newer uh, arena in time for the World Equestrian Games. Are and you... Are you hoping to get this to PBS? Is that what you're hoping? Yeah, yep. yeah. We okay. have we have a list of. Um, I have a very wonderful independent producer who actually came up with this idea, and um, yes, she's actually working on um, the fundraising campaign and the movie proposal, and got Ashley Judd, and. Well, that's great. That's a that's that's a that's something right there. Yeah, yeah. Now, does she ride? Is she a rider? No, but she's a she's a diehard Kentuckian. Yeah, that's true. And, uh, <laughs> you know, and, and that's great. And you know, we we Lexington claims itself to be the horse capital of the world, and we we are still the thoroughbred capital of the world. And um, it behooves us all to celebrate and um, you know really herald our own, because a lot of people think you have to go to Europe to get a good sport horse. But I'm here to tell you that thoroughbreds are pretty extraordinary in their sensitivity and their their rideability and their trainability, their athleticism. I know that during Rolex, you're a very popular stop for the for the eventers. Yeah, yeah. a lot of a lot of people come shopping here because you can get a pretty nice horse for a very reasonable price. Let's talk yeah. about that a little bit. You know, a lot of the adoption centers just have a flat fee, that kind of thing. How do you do it? for? We do it in the form of a tax-deductible donation. And um, it, it kind of varies because we have so many different ad adoption agencies that we represent. But uh, what we do is when we get a horse in from, let's say, um, the Finger Lakes Adoption Program that's at the, located right at the Finger Lakes track in New York, um, we would keep track of the expenses that we incur for the horse, the veterinary or farrier expenses. And then when the horse is adopted out, we ask for an adoption um, donation, tax-deductible donation, that we would then split after the expenses with the place of origin to help us cover our expenses. So each we have a book of contracts so that if you're interested in a particular horse, you would come and see what agency has sponsored this horse. And... Many of the agencies have different stipulations. Uh, for example, the TRF does not let you breed or sell a horse. Uh, so that would obviously affect the, the adoption price. But a horse like um, an Angel Acres allows you to breed a horse, to sell a horse. So if you can come and get a 
really nicely trained athlete for two or three thousand dollars that you can turn around and put two years training on and sell for twenty five or thirty thousand dollars you've done pretty well i would think right yeah 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 hey, and i'll tell you what helena we would be remiss and and we'll get some hate mail if we don't ask you to tell us about the star horse you've got right for adoption right now Oh, you know, I I would be remiss to tell you that there's one star horse. Uh, no, my wife would disagree. I love every single horse. Well, I think the horse that your wife likes was adopted on Saturday. Oh, really? And he's a he's a um, a cousin of Big Brown's. He's an extraordinary individual. Um, just wonderful, beautiful, big. Looks like Secretariat. Easy to ride. Very fun. Oh, she's going to be um, so upset. Which one was that? His was name a, is Gunner Milligan. There's a big gray, right? Oh, yeah. no, he's a chestnut. Well, he's a chestnut. Now, there's a big okay. gray that she likes that I rode today, whom I think in his own way is going is a star, and he'll be a star event horse, simply because he's such he's the class clown, the class delinquent. Yeah, that's why she likes him. You know, my wife, uh, Helena knows my wife likes the nut jobs, mm-hmm. uh, and that's the well, that's a that's a not so polite way of saying class clown. Well, he's, but he's there's nothing nutty about this horse. He's just oh, really? really, really, really interested in all kinds of things. He gets bored easily. Um, today, I took him out on an hour long trail walk, and we went by the interstate. He was fascinated. We went we went to the um, Kentucky Horse Park dump, and yeah, we saw a fox, and he was just and I rode him on the buckle, and he was just looking at everything. Could not have been happier. This, this horse has to stay busy, um, and just the more you throw at him, the, the more engaged he gets. Um, and what's his name? Which what? His name is Lion Around. Lion Around. Right. Is he on the website? He is yes. on the website. And then we have a spectacular moving filly named Come On By. I think she's going to be a Grand Prix dressage horse. She doesn't trot. She floats. Oh, wow. And Come she's on. only four years old, and um, she doesn't even know how to move her body yet. Um and then I have another horse, ten something, who's good, just a beautiful mare who will make a beautiful event horse. I mean, she's just classy and elegant. And then I have a son of Ferdinand, <laughs> who is really our mascot. And Ferdy is being clicker trained, and he's going to come do lots of fun things for us at the end of the month for our interactive demonstration. Well, there you, you go. Know, yeah, um, I have to ask you for. I personally would be so interested in rehoming an off-track thoroughbred, but it's intimidating for me um, and maybe for people like me who don't have someone, a trainer or um, a mentor who's really experienced in working with off-track thoroughbreds. So what I'd like to do is give them the opportunity. I think I'd provide a great home, but the whole idea of it is a little intimidating. What would you suggest to people like me who might want to do this? I, I think that you're absolutely right. Off-track thoroughbreds can be dangerous and should be respected. And they're not dangerous by volition. They're dangerous by the way in which they've been treated and handled and trained. And that's what the kind of bridge that the Secretariat Center is trying to provide, is to take a horse from the track and give it a new set of manners and a new set of behaviors that are permissible and not permissible. So... Um, I would look for an adoption agency that does do some kind of retraining. There are several out there. New Vocations comes to mind, for example. Um, and more often than not, you'll pay a little bit more because you're paying for the time that somebody has spent right. um, doing that. 
the other thing that I, I can't speak for the other agencies, but what we offer all of our people who adopt horses is that we are only a phone call or an email away. So that anytime you have any trouble with a horse, we encourage you to call us, email us. Uh, we will give you the answers. If we don't know the answers, we'll get you the answers. I would, you know, really recommend that people who have no horse experience to maybe board their horse in a training barn where they could work with a mentor or a teacher. Um, but even somebody like yourself would like to take somebody from the track, I would look at a place such as the Secretariat Center that is not going to give you a horse unless we feel the fit is right, which means that the horse picks you, you pick the horse, and you both are going to be safe. And then we're here for you. Anytime you have issues, we'll be right there. And if you're local, I'll drive out there to see you and help you. Oh, that's wonderful. And where 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 can they find out about the horses? What's what's the website? And... All they need to do is go to www.secretariatcenter.org. Okay, that's easy enough. And we're actually rebuilding our web page, and we've got a new a Facebook, and we're starting a blog. So hopefully wow. everybody can read about our daily training and get to know the personalities of all our horses. They're all wonderful, and they're all very different. And, um, yeah, we want it to be really interactive. This is very, very exciting. We really well, appreciate you coming on and talking with us about this. Well, I'm, I just um, I spend a lot of time in the barn, and I don't probably get the word out enough, so I am so grateful to, to both of you for thinking of us here because we've got some wonderful horses here, and I, I just can't wait to showcase them and put, get them to the – right new places, the right new homes. So thank and you. And you have great photos and, and information. So all the horses we talked about today are actually on the website. Right. And we're getting in a brand new shipment of horses because we've actually had a whole um, bunch ship out. It, we would go to happy new homes. So um, I... All right. That's great. Yes. They keep looking at the website because there's always going to be somebody new. <laughs> all right. <laughs> all right. Sounds good. Well, we appreciate you being on, and we'll have you on again sometime soon. Well, I can't thank you enough. Thank you so much for helping us all spread the world about, word about these wonderful horses. Our pleasure. My wife volunteer it keeps us from having to buy one. Right <laughs> oh, now. So see, your it. wife is um, a treasure. She's a treasure. Well, she, I know she enjoys playing with the ponies out there. Well, she's a, she's a treasure, and uh, I, I welcome about 10,000 more like her. Okay. <laughs> so all right. Send thanks, them Susanna. on. Take care, you all. all right. Thank you so much for all interviewing right. me. All right. No take care. Bye bye. All right, Helena. Let's head next to voicemails. We have one voicemail this week from Sissy from Virginia, who called in and uh, seems to like our show. Let's take a listen. Hey guys, this is Sissy calling from Virginia. I just wanted to call and tell you I loved your coverage of the Olympics, and I'm really excited that you're on the air. Uh, looking forward to your next show. Bye-bye. Thanks, Sissy. We appreciate you uh, letting us know you like the show. We're looking forward to uh, having you call in, I hope, in the future here. And we w encourage everybody to call. You can call our voicemail line at 270-803-0025. That's 270-803-0025. We want to hear from you. We want, we want your comments, good, bad, indifferent. We want to hear from you. Helena, I guess we have a couple of emails this week, too. We do. From Carol in New Hampshire, she writes, I am loving the podcast so far, but I have to correct Glenn the Geek on something. The Budweiser Hitches each have eight horses, not oh, six. Oh, yes. I, I, 
Looking forward to more hours of entertainment and more opportunities to correct. All right, Carol, we appreciate <laughs> you correcting me. Um, I was hoping and, nobody would notice that I said six and not eight. I'm sure and she'll then, have plenty more opportunities to correct us. After the show, I went, oh, I went six, there's six hitches in the United States. I knew there were eight horses. So I have to confess, I did get that one wrong in the show last week. Thanks, Carol, and I'm sure we'll be hearing from her many more times. Absolutely. Uh, because we do get things wrong occasionally. And we have we have Hazelnut from Pennsylvania, and yeah, she you, writes... You need to explain this one to me because I don't get it at all. Okay, well, this was in response to my blog post about um, why we do it, why we ride. And that was on uh, Stable Scoop, right? That was on your blog on Stable Scoop. That was on my blog on StableScoop.com. Right. And Hazelnut writes, we all know exactly why we ride. It's the same reason we exist. Well, that's the psychobabble explanation. She says, here's the real world, bleh, real world version. Monday, I was bored to tears at work, so I went for a gallop. Wednesday, I felt awful because I had to discipline my kid. Went for a very long walk indeed. Thursday, I had a lesson and felt so empowered. And it goes on and on and on for a lifetime. The commonality is the I. And she wraps up her email with, ooh, is that deep or what? Yeah, that was pretty deep because it went right over this horse husband's hand. <laughs> she dug really deep on that one. <laughs> now, you can explain it to me because – or maybe you just have to get it. I think you just have to – you just have to get it. Well, you know, I, I think basically everybody's reason is different, and it could be one thing on Monday and a completely other thing on Thursday. It all depends on how you feel when you wake up that day. All right, good. So they can read your blog post that started this whole email that I didn't get at stablescoop.com. And be sure to check out our show notes for each show uh, there as well. You can find links to everything that we talk about in the show. If you, you're riding right now while you're listening and then you get off the horse and go, oh, man, what was that again? Just stop by the website and check out the show notes. Uh, we both have blogs there, and I think uh, you'll find that we're trying to update those pretty frequently. Send us uh, feedback, uh, give us a voicemail call at 270-803-0025, or email us at geeks at horseradionetwork.com. That's G-E-E-K-S at horseradionetwork.com. And we'd also like to thank our sponsor again, Easy Signs Online. We appreciate them sponsoring this episode of the Stable Scoop Radio Show. We'll see you again next week, Helena. All right. Have a good week, everybody. 